Special thanks to all our patrons who support the show every single week. We couldn't do it without you. Head over to patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast and subscribe today for bonus content, exclusive happy hour live chats and more. Patrons, you help keep the run, eat, drink podcast going. And we're so grateful for you. Not a patron yet? Join us today at patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast. Help support the show by using our Amazon affiliate link. Anytime you shop on Amazon for running gear, food, beverages, or anything else the little gray trucks might bring your way. Just use runeatdrink.net slash Amazon anytime you shop. It costs nothing extra. It's only one extra click, and it helps us keep the lights on and the bandwidth flowing. Just go to runeatdrink.net slash Amazon, and we thank you for your support. Hello, this is Chris Darling, a member of the Runcation Nation, and you're listening to my good friends Dana and Amy and the Run Eat Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run Eat Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country, and after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back-of-the-packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Dana, it's time for another Runcation Recap, and we are joined today by Chris Darling, who is here to recap, let's see, we, in the last eight weeks, I think, have heard from several sources about Bird in Hand. We have, and this is a race that's been in our bucket list for several, several years. years. So, yes. Chris, welcome to the show. Round of applause. Yay! <laughs> We're so happy to have you on. Happy to be here. Chris, do us a favor. You're a longtime friend of ours, friend of the show, but for those in the Runcation Nation who aren't familiar with you from social media, live chats, anything like that. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are, your family, what you do, where you're from, and what, if anything, you might be drinking tonight with us during the recap. We're both having water. delicious sparkling water. Hydrate. Sure. All right. Let's start with the water thing, because I'm on the same page, sparkling water. <laughs> Very nice. nice. That's right. But I grew up just outside of Baltimore, and have been living in Virginia Beach now for about six years. In between that, I spent six years in Tennessee for school and 12 years just outside of Charleston, South Carolina. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Beth. We have two daughters. Carrie just turned 18, which is really scary. And Hannah will turn 15 in a few weeks. Where does um, the time go? <laughs> yeah. Female teenagers abound in my house. Oh. Um, and remarkably, your beard is darker kids. than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't say that it's natural, though. <laughs> yeah, I just outed myself. All right. Anyway, for career, I'm on staff at a church here in Virginia Beach overseeing music and technology, which is something I've been doing. This is now my fourth stop career-wise as far as doing the same job, but just at four different places. I've mm. uh, been at this particular church for about three years. Love it here. Hope to be here for a while because I don't like moving. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to running, I have another crazy hobby, and that is I love to ride roller coasters. Um, to date, I've ridden 137 unique roller coasters. Wow. Um, but I need to get back down to Florida because several have opened since my last visit. Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay. You're a runner, you but you also have a mission to ride all these roller coasters across the country. What are the ones you're coming back to Florida to ride? When I get back to Florida, I need to hit Iron Gwazi at Busch Gardens, Tampa. That was being built the last time I was there. Of course, Disney has opened two new ones since my last visit in Guardians and Tron. Oh. And then let's see, SeaWorld has opened two since I was last there with Icebreaker and Pipeline. So I need to get on those. Busy. Um, that's going to be like a busy trip if you handle all of that. Well, and the last time we were in the last time we were in Florida, we did we did di oh, the week of Disney like everybody does when they come to Florida. 
but we marked one day where my wife and daughter, one of my wife and youngest daughter decided to take the day off and just chill at the hotel. And my oldest daughter and I rope dropped SeaWorld Orlando, rode the five coasters that were open in all of about two hours, and then drove an hour or so to Tampa uh, to knock out their roller coasters. Wow. So we hit both those parks in one day. Two cities. <laughs> Two parks. And made it back to our hotel um, by 8 o'clock that night. Wow. And not to mention the thrill ride that is I-4. Right. Because Orlando yeah. is an hour away from Orlando. Orlando. <laughs> yeah. And this was the uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving. So you can oh. imagine crowd levels. Oh, heck yeah. Ooh, oh, yes. Yes. So you are an expert traveler. And uh, so you did all this running around the state of Florida. We haven't asked you yet how you got into running itself. It was really a health decision. In 2015, I was out of work and I got a call from my wife one night. I was out picking up dinner and she, her speech was really slurred and she was like, she had something in her hand and she just dropped it and she couldn't use her left hand. We were thinking she was having a stroke. Come to find out she had a benign brain tumor that they discovered on Wednesday night and cut out on Friday morning. Oh, wow. So watching her go through that health scare freaked me out. I knew I wasn't in the best of health at that time. I got up the nerve to step on the scale and was just under 300 pounds. That was a wake-up call. And at the time, like I said, I was in between jobs so I was like, a gym membership's probably a stupid use of money at this point since I'm not working. There's a pair of tennis shoes and there's the street. So this thing that I had hated all of my life, even as a two-sport athlete in high school, I was like, it's going to be running or bust. And it was all, for me, it was always about just taking some weight off, never any goals of running races. I was like, maybe a 5K if I get real adventurous, a 10K. Little did I know that would eventually lead to now, I believe, 11 half marathons, two full marathons, and everything in between. Wow. Yeah, the, I would say the running bug has a funny way of getting you. Yes, it does. And I think that, like, to your point, it's the same for us in high school. I was, I avoided taking PE. I took PE. You were a two sport athlete, you said, but it's, I took it in the summer. I took when there was summer school so that I wouldn't have to have gym and then become a sweaty mess for the entirety of my high school day during the year. I could be like the cool kids or running was a form of punishment in sports. Right. Mm -hmm. So we all I avoided it like the plague. But then you find a love for it later in life. And we see that as a pattern so many times. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. The more people we meet and the more stories we find. But it, it, to your point, I, I had a health scare when I had to have surgery for a detached retina. It was nothing like what you described for your wife they found a detached retina and I was in surgery in the next day, but it's brain tumorous to be really scary and just rock the entire family and create that choice, that transition that to make that healthier lifestyle choice. And yeah. It, yeah. It was incredibly scary. And through that process, I actually was able to drop a hundred pounds Unfortunately, life happened a few years later and some of that came back and now I'm working to get it back down. It's never um, linear with weight loss, though. No, it's <laughs> like a roller coaster. See, mm -hmm. it's all connected. Everything, see what you did there. Everything is connected. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> and we love that you found the show. But could you tell us, how did you find us? Was it, you know, we're just looking for something to pass the time on long run or Accident? Um, How did you become a member of the Runcation Nation? Decided I really wanted, sorry, when I decided I wanted to stick with running, I went looking for podcasts and came across mm -hmm. your one of your recent guests, Mr. Kevin Gwynn's podcast, the Extra Mile Podcast. We know that guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> and I think Amy had submitted a few things at that time to the show, and she was talking about her podcast. 
So I was like, oh, I need to check that out because I was just I was looking for running podcasts from people that were running the way I was. When I started running, I was not necessarily doing textbook Galloway. The guy that started me, or at least the guy that got me to go beyond three miles for the first time, he was like, you just do what I do. Run a mile and then we'll walk a tenth. And he actually called it modified Galloway, but we know Jeff would be like, it's just not Galloway. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how I started doing distance. And then I actually looked into the Galloway method and have pretty much been using it nonstop ever since. And it, like I said, it's gotten me through 11 half marathons and two fulls. Mm. Yeah, that Jeff Galloway knows a thing or two. He does. And what I think he would say about that whole 10th thing that you just talked about, I think he would say, you're the captain of your ship. Mm-hmm. He said that on numerous uh, occasions when we have heard him speak and coach and mm-hmm. run workshops. And yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, he, he probably would. He would probably back it up with um, the longer walk break. You're letting your heart rate come down too much. That's but, true. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of all the research and the many people he's he has kept. Running injury free. Yes, for sure. Running till you're 100. That's our goal. So, <laughs> And speaking of running till our, we're 100, it is important to recap some runcations. You have done several races, sir. And what is the must-do destination race that you're going to recap for us? What? Which one? What is it called? Uh, it is the Bird in Hand Half Marathon. And why? And it's, oh my gosh, there's, it's hard to describe. I would say it's, it feels, it's a large enough race. I think there's two to 3,000 runners. So it, it's a lot of people, but it feels like a community run. And there's, it's hard to describe. It just, everybody's in a good mood. You're it's the experience of running through Amish country, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. It's the water stops manned by the Amish kids, the pasta dinner cooked by the Amish the night before the cookout on the grounds again, cooked by the Amish after the race. It's just a, it feels like a big family get together. That's the best way I can describe it. And that's even from the first time I ran it when before it exploded as an extra mile meetup. And I think there were maybe four of us uh, there that year, Mm -hmm. but it's just, there's no race like it that I've come across. And how did you find the race? I heard JD and Nate and Anthony talking about it on the extra mile podcast. Nate's, Nate's run it, I think 10 or 11 years. And he introduced it to JD. Um, but so I, they were talking about it. And I was like, you know, it's not, it's about an hour and a half from where I grew up. Hmm. My family went to Lancaster many times for other things. I'm like this, this could be fun. Let's go try it out. And I've been three times and we'll continue to go back every chance I get. Now you said it's a smaller race, right? Yeah. It's not one of your major city races where you've got eight to 10,000 people. It's, I would say there's probably two between two to 3000 runners. So it's probably fair to say the registration process is not like you are having like a run Disney experience where let's say you have a million devices to try and register at the exact moment registration opens, right? No, it's, they do typically come close to selling out and they, a couple years they have sold out, but that sellout usually doesn't happen until August and the race is in September. The registration usually opens in January or February. So there's plenty uh, of time to make yeah. your get your registration done. And there's yeah, there, no there pressure. Is. One thing to make note of, because this has happened to me once, in that it is a no refund, no deferral race. The race is a fundraiser for the local fire department that services that community. That's their budget. And because I I had a hurricane come through one year Mm. right before I was supposed to leave. And I just didn't want to leave my wife and daughters to deal with any potential cleanup. And I I emailed just to see if they would let me defer it. We totally understand Um, that. So you emailed them? Yeah. Yeah. I emailed them just to see if they would let me defer because of the situation. 
And they were as polite as could be, but it, they just don't do it because they count on those funds for the race. And it's fine. I get it. My dad was a professional firefighter, so I know the importance of that service to the community. It's all good. And that's a really good thing for people that might be looking at this race to to know just in case Mm because things happen. We had uh, a race where we had to suddenly cancel this year. So Mm -hmm. we totally understand that race entry fee off top of your head. Do you remember what that Uh, was or is it reasonable? um, When it first goes live, it seems like it's about 70 bucks, which for half marathons is reasonable. Not bad. If you register the later you get, I think it gets up to a hundred, 105. So they Um, encourage you to register early. Yeah, there's incentive to register early because the price does continue to go up. There is a 5K the Friday night before, and they do a challenge with that. Where And the cool thing that I like about their challenge, even though of the three years I've only done it once, the bonus prize for doing the challenge isn't an extra medal. It's something different. The year I did it, we got a hat. This past year, I wish I had done it. Once I saw what the bonus prize was, it was a very nice wooden cutting board handcrafted by the Amish. Nice. Everybody that did the challenge got, and I was just like, oh, that'd have been nice in my kitchen. Oh yeah. <laughs> and useful. Heck yeah. Very. For, for sure. So I would think. <laughs> now we, okay. We, speaking of the kitchen, we love to indulge and explore in local food and beverage We've got to run the race first, and we're very cognizant or nervous. I am nervous about pace requirements. Is this the type of race that is good for back of the packers, or what kind of feeling do you get in terms of is there jockeying for corral placement, or what is the situation there? There really there are no corrals. They do have pacers, and they encourage you to try to get with as close to the pacer for the time you think you're going to run. But they are very back-of-the-pack friendly. I don't know that they officially have a cutoff time. I know not this – I don't know what the time the final runner came in this year. But I know a couple of years ago the final runners were coming in around the four-hour mark. And there were still – the shoot was still set up. There were still people cheering those last runners in, which is really great to see at a race, which just enhances the whole community aspect. You don't – the back of the Packers don't feel like nobody cares that they're finishing the race. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I think that the last person crossing the finish line needs to be celebrated as much as that first person, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yes. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. They put in, they ran the same amount of miles. It just took them longer. And the reality is depending on the conditions, being out there longer takes a harder toll on your body. Oh, um, 100%. No lie. Now <laughs> you alluded to it. You talked about that that cutting board. I am very bling driven. We've established this. Of course. On the show. Long history of talking about that. I have heard that the metal for this is pretty unique. And could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, it is a very unique metal. I now have three of them. But they they are actual horseshoes taken off the shoes of Amish off the feet of Amish horses. And there's the Ooh. shears. And if for those watching the video, our, oh, our yes. patrons, that is a actual horseshoe with a metal, like a plaque kind of in those inside in the middle. U. Yeah. Yeah. So if you run it again, yeah. you get a fourth and shoe. You can then get yourself a horse. <laughs> yeah, I, I could, but I'm not doing anything with those horse, <laughs> those shoes other than hanging them up. Whoa. In fact, you see the medals behind me. This one's going in that empty spot when we're right. <laughs> that is a really cool medal. I do love it, and I feel like all of them would be unique and different because there, there, there are there are, there are minor differences because there's no horseshoe is exactly alike, and you can it, disgusting maybe. But if for those that are watching the rough spots there, that's that's petrified poo. It could be mud. It could be mud. It could be. We're gonna go with mud. Um, <laughs> but considering they have a sister race that's run in the spring, um, and if you run both those races, you get the Road Apple Award, which is literally a plaque with petrified horse poop on it. 
a road apple. And if somebody had said road apple to me, I would have been like, I don't know what that is. But learn something new. Learn something new. Now, have you ever completed that challenge? No, I have not. I want to, but I also know that there is no way that my wife would let me hang petrified horse manure anywhere in our house. So (laughs) that is a very unique award. I'm just saying. Yes. And I really, like you said, there are some races that we have had the chance to do, but we registered for and we missed. Jeff's race this past year. uh, Or Tunnel to Towers that we knew we were just going to let it go and we weren't going to really seek a deferral for your entry. Mm -hmm. And we knew that was going to a great organization and a great cause. So here you have mentioned that kind of thing. Where where it's the funds are going to support the community and a great organization of service in the community. So uh, I just think that, it, and it's great that it provided a personal connection for you b- because of your family. That's I think that's just great. And I want to turn to logistics now, a little bit of logistics. And oh, okay. Some who live near might drive and travel, but how did you travel there to the Um, race? I drove. It's from Virginia Beach. It's about a five and a half hour drive, which is not terrible. And it's not a, it's not a difficult drive for me. The worst part of it is the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, which is an incredible feat of engineering, but it's incredibly nerve wracking when you're nine miles out onto the bridge and you can't see land in either direction. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. It's a little okay. bit harrowing the first couple times you cross it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay. But it's either that or take an extra hour to avoid it. And I'm all about getting there. <laughs> Don't blame understand. me for that. If you drive, I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, driving is easy. Even though every year I've done it, I've had to drive back right after the race um, because of work commitments on Sunday. Um, but even if I was going to stay, um, I'd still drive it. Just it's easier. It's a little bit mm-hmm. cheaper. There are, uh, I would say there are two airports to look at if you're going to fly. Philly is probably about an hour, maybe a little more than an hour outside of Lancaster. And Baltimore is about an hour and a half. Both are significant size airports. I was going to say they're both major. Yeah. 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 Major airports to rent um, a car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you'll want to rent a car because you're not going to want to take that long of an Uber. You could buy a car for what that Uber is going to cost. I am quite sure you could do that. And and good luck finding a driver willing to make that trip. Like here, we'll be waiting. We'll be waiting a long time. Wow. Yeah. If you're going to fly in, I would say rent a car because there's the thing is, there's a lot of really cool stuff around the Lancaster area that you're going to want to check out if you're there for a few days. So, and okay. That Gets me to the next question, which would be lodging Uh, Mm -hmm. when you're there in in the area. Any recommendations for people as far as uh, where to stay? Um, Because clearly this is the kind of place you might want to stay for a day or two to take it all in. Yeah. Um, A lot of folks in our group, I believe, did the country and in suites by Marriott. Um, It's really nice. I took the cheap way out and just found a as inexpensive a holiday in as I could. I will say be beware that the community, the businesses have figured out that there is a race that brings in a lot of tourists that weekend. Um, so Rates you're adjust. already in a tourist area, but uh, prices tend to be a little bit higher that weekend, um, even for fairly basic lodging. There is, I can't remember the name of it, there is a bed and breakfast that's basically across the street from the race, um, oh. which would be fantastic if you wanted to spring for it. Sure. Um, there's a ton of really good hotels. Um, if you've got small kids and they like cartoons, there's a cartoon network hotel. I think um, that's, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would I've be, stayed there. What, what, what do you mean small <laughs> kids? Big kid right here. Well, that, I, that was my thought the one year I stayed there. And if I had gotten a room in the main building, it would have probably been a great experience because mm-hmm. the main building was incredible. Ooh. However, the other buildings were basically renovated. It was basically a renovated old motel with paper thin walls. 
So if you get a room next to a bunch of kids, you can have a difficult time sleeping. Because oh. you can hear every noise they make. Good call. Yeah, and that's also a good tip if you're going to yeah. stay at that hotel, then you can request in a certain in the main building. Or yeah, no, you uh, definitely yeah. want to be in the main building because, mm-hmm. like I said, the main the main building looked incredible. Yeah. But unfortunately, I did not get a room in the main building that uh. night. <laughs> so you're recommending Philly or Baltimore for yeah. airports. Yeah. You're yeah. definitely recommending renting a car as opposed to Uber or Lyft from there because that's going to be a heck yes. of a haul. Mm-hmm. Once you're there in Lancaster, mm-hmm. is it is it fairly centralized, localized where like you're don't really need your car or you're going to need your car. Okay. okay. Um, Lancaster. Um, it has the small community feel, but it's very spread out. Um, and the tourist section of town is just, it's basically one big highway for one big four lane highway with stuff on both sides. Um, most hotels are going to be a minimum five to 10 minute drive um, from the race, but most are probably going to be closer to 15 minutes because the race area doesn't sit right off that main drag. You've got to go a few miles off to get to it. But again, it's just, even if you were able to get a room at that place, that's right across from the race, I would recommend having a car just so you can take in that whole area. Cause there's so much and you can stay in Lancaster and fill up two days worth of stuff, just exploring some of the Amish stuff if you again, if you're traveling with young kids, there is a family amusement park there um, called Dutch Wonderland. It's a really cool little place for kids or big kids. I hear ah, that if you're a fan of chocolate, I may, I, I, I may have. Yeah, well, there, there's yeah, you're about an hour away from Hershey, which of course you've got all the stuff in Hershey, including the world class amusement park. But if you don't, if the amusement park's not your thing, Hershey even has this place called Chocolate World, free entry. And they actually have a dark ride tour that shows you how they make chocolate that you can go on for free. There are some other things in chocolate world that are, you do have to pay to do create your own candy bar, a 4d movie, a chocolate tasting experience, a lot of really cool stuff. Not to mention a huge Hershey store of course, <laughs> where you can find Hershey items that you probably never knew existed. Ooh. Now. Okay. So you need the car to make it a full runcation experience and explore and indulge around the race at, before and after. Uh, yeah. How is the expo for the race itself? Let me get to the expo. There's, there was one other place if you want to oh, venture yeah. out that you can go to if the amusement or theme park stuff isn't your deal. Mm-hmm. You're only about 45 minutes from Gettysburg. Oh, oh yeah. Which if you were into history, Gettysburg That's is yeah. wonderful. That was a annual field trip for me growing up because we were so close to it. So if you like history, you, you've got to see Gettysburg. But back to the question at hand, the expo, I don't know that I'd call it an expo. <laughs> it's essentially a packet pickup. The vendors that are there, they were actually selling shirts from previous race years. Maybe if you had run a race one year and didn't, and something had happened to your shirt or something, or maybe you just wanted one from a different year, you could get it. But most of the vendors were more arts and crafts, quilts, even Amish furniture. Not terribly it's, useful during know, the race. Pretty, ah! No, nothing you can nothing you can use during the race, really. <laughs> the cool thing about the furniture people is they will actually ship the furniture to you. So That's you what I was going to try to. Yeah. You don't have to try to load it in your car or take it on the plane. Explain to the TSA what this <clears throat> rocking chair is for. Yeah. They, they would love that. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's they, good to know. Okay. Um, yeah. Hopefully there's some places in town. If you on the off chance, you lose your luggage mm-hmm. or you forget to pack something that you might be able to pick up some uh, needed accessories, shoes, body glide, something like that. Hopefully mm-hmm. there's something yeah, I'm, close by. I'm about 95% sure there's a fleet feed in town. Oh, oh. yeah. There you go. Um, so they'll have everything you would need. And just like every town, there's a Walmart, there's a Target, so other stuff you can always grab quickly. There you go. That's so. that. Then, then you got most of your bases covered there. Night before the race, you get into town, you drive in. Do you have any particular rituals or things that you like to do ahead of this race? For me, typically, I break all of my rules at Burdenhand. <laughs> 
my normal pre-race meal the night before would be more high protein. Get me a good steak, something like that. Man after my um, heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Burdenham, they do a pasta dinner that you can actually pay for when you register. It's like $14 for adults and it's all you can eat pasta, spaghetti, meatballs, garlic bread. Yes. Trying to think if there's, you know, (laughs) do you really need anything else? Do you, do Um, you? That doesn't sound bad. You're carb loading. Um, Not to mention desserts. Yeah. It's, you can very easily carb load there. I tend, I prefer to carb load two nights before. Yeah. Um, True. But for this race, I break that rule because you're not going to get a better dinner for a better price than that 14 bucks. And when you've got a, when you've got a large group of friends that's there, just extra time to hang out. So Mm. we did the, I think pretty much all of us did the pasta dinner that were there this year and just enjoyed. And then the 5k starts shortly after the pasta dinner is going, I would recommend eating after the 5k if you're going (laughs) to (laughs) run. Just, Yeah. I, especially like if it's all you can. Eat. Yeah, if you overindulge and go run, you might be seeing your dinner again. So yeah, we which don't, you don't, don't want. need that. No, no, no. But I like that it's a nighttime race, though. Yes. Like it's what? What time does it start? Like usually uh, around six thirty. Oh, okay. So yeah, so you run. It's like dark. Then, or maybe a little bit before. It's, it's the it's golden kind of, hour. It's dusk. Yeah. Yeah. It's more dusk. The, to me, the cool part is, especially because I did the challenge the first year I ran it, mm. you get a brief preview of part of the course. So you get a feel for what you're going to see for 13.1 miles the next morning. Although you don't get any of the big hills on the 5K. You get a few smaller ones, but the scary hills don't happen until <laughs> the half. Scary hills. Oh, we're going to get to that in oh. just a minute. Yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll get there. Oh, now. <laughs> okay. Just yeah, I don't want to get too hyped up about the hills. Okay, fine. We we run hilly cities. It's okay. Yeah. We've heard that if you can do Jeff's race, then you can do bird in hand. Is that true? I haven't run Jeff's race, but that's what everybody that's done both has told me. Oh, we gotta oh, get okay. we gotta get you okay, to well, Atlanta. The, the reality is I Yeah, <laughs> I, I live in Virginia Beach. The only hills I get here is if I run an overpass. Same. Um, Same here. Same. Incredibly flat. So any hill is a monster to me. Um, Coastal living, baby. Yes. Yes. So you talked about the night before the race, and we heard a little bit about the 5K. And then what about race morning? What's race morning like? And for you, do you have any pre-race rituals? Um, For me, I try to get up a good two to two and a half hours before start time. Um, one, so my body fully wakes up before we start, but two, to be able to take care of other things that my body wants to do when I get up in the morning and not worry about that happening on the course. I don't typically eat a lot. Usually maybe, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) maybe, you know, for me like that morning, I think I ate a bowl of cereal at the hotel. And we did hit a gas station on the way into the course. And I grabbed a Gatorade oh. and I didn't sleep well that night. So I broke another one of my rules and grabbed an energy drink Ooh. at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm putting down a Red Bull. Oh boy. That's mm. uh, mm. not a recommendation. That's just what I was doing <laughs> that morning. It just happened. It's not a ritual is what you're no, saying. I, it's <laughs> actually not for me on race morning, but I was just, I was feeling fatigue. Yeah. Um, so I wanted a little bit extra an extra boost. So I did that. We got there. Race started at 730. We got there about 615, 620 to meet up with the rest of our group, do mm-hmm. group photo, hang out. Parking, not and a then, problem, right? No, park parking is on site. The earlier you get there, the closer you will be parked to the finish line. You do park in a field. So if I've only dealt with rain one year. That was the first year. It was raining pretty good the morning of, but even with that, it wasn't difficult to get in and out. The rain had stopped by mile three of the race that year anyway, but you are parking in a, basically a pasture. But like I said, if you, the earlier you get there, the closer to the finish line you'll be. And it's not hard to get in and out. That's good. Because there's only one, really one way into where the race is at, they recommend plan an extra time to get in because traffic will back up on that road. That makes sense. Ah, Um, okay. 
but it's, if you get there an hour beforehand, you're fine, but you won't have any issues. That's good. Yeah. Now for this event, like you get there at some races, you've got pre-start line party kind of atmosphere. You got music playing, you got DJ sometimes. Is there any kind of pre-race event like that? What could somebody expect? Are there corrals or gear checks or kind of paint a picture for what that pre-race environment looks like? Um, your car is your gear check. Oh. <laughs> um, Which I think um, is smart. Because the start, the start finish line are right there next to each other, right where you park. There's not really, they've got pre-race announcement guy on the mic every five or 10 minutes. Now, there used to be, and what I'm about to say, I hope nobody takes as a political statement because it's not. It's just the, the fact of what's going on right now. They used to launch hot air balloons about 20 minutes before the race started. Mm-hmm. So as you would be running, you'd see the balloons the whole morning, just one more visual and what's already a gorgeous course. However, um, the race course now is within a certain radius of the current president's home in Delaware. So if no fly this, zone. this actually happened, I believe in 2021, um, they were prepared to do the balloon launch and the president decided he wanted to go to Delaware for the weekend, which meant those balloons couldn't fly. Oh. Um, so after having all the balloons out there ready to go, they couldn't launch. We've Um, had a similar situation down here. Sanibel Island is a favorite for the Bush family, for Mm -hmm. for Mike Pence, same thing. So they'll do a no no boat zone in that area and no fly zone as well. Yeah. Yeah. If at at whatever point we have a president that doesn't live within that radius, they'll probably bring the balloons back, I hope. Well, we've heard Um, that they're beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I... the one year that I would have seen them uh, be the rain that morning um, made them not fly, mm-hmm. which was really disappointing because that would have been, I think that was 20, was the first year I went. Yeah. Um, and they were ready to go, but the rain, they weren't going to fly in the rain. That's fair. So Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay, so you have that kind of start where you have your own gear check as your car, and then you have a little bit of time to navigate the one way in you get settled Mm. pictures there's an announcer occasionally and then you're off so let's get to this because i need to know about the capital h hills what is the course like what's the deal (laughs) the course is basically from start to finish rolling hills constantly there's very little flat there are a couple really nice downhill stretches that are wonderful um unfortunately most of those downhill stretches lead you right back to an uphill i it's funny my my garmin each year i've run it because you know how the garmin will track elevation change Mm -hmm. i've got three different elevation change readings from the same course from three different years i'm not sure which one is accurate I know which one I believe to be accurate because I know what my legs feel like when I'm done. <laughs> it's the um, highest one, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that one showed that year. It showed like 1100 feet of elevation gain over the course, Wow. which is probably not accurate. It's probably more six, 700 because there are the start and finish are in this basically the same place. So it's really a net zero. Um, but it sure feels like you're climbing more than you're coming downhill. So it's a net, it's a net zero. Yeah, but there's yeah, a whole lot of in between. It's a net zero. <laughs> you know who he yeah, sounds like now. There's a whole like lot of up now. and down on the way. You know yeah. who he sounds like now. Oh, you um, sound like Jeff Galloway. You, you do. He loves to talk about how his race starts lower or, or starts higher than it finishes. So this one starts exactly where it, almost exactly where it finishes, <laughs> maybe 300 feet apart, but it's that's one of the few flat areas. Um, oh, okay. I will say most of the hills are gentle incline. There's two that are a little bit steeper. But okay. the thing is, over the course of a race, even a if you've got a long, slight incline, you eventually start to feel that. Um, 100%. Even, even if your eyes don't really tell you're going up, you feel it as time goes on. And, and this past year, it was warmer than normal cool. for that area that time of year. 
Yeah. We were on the course by the time we were finishing. And again, you're, you guys from, from are from Florida, so you're going to laugh. Heat, heat index was in the 80s by the time we were finishing. <laughs> and even for me, I'm in Virginia Beach. That's nothing this, during the summer. Mm-hmm. But that part of the country, you're usually looking at start temperature, upper 50s, Ooh. and maybe hitting 68 or 70 by the time you finish. But we were already above 70 at, fin- at start. It was just, it was more humid than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the race did a wonderful job adapting there were coolers of ice almost every mile water stations seemingly it felt every mile and a half to two miles and the second greatest aid station known to man second only to the pickle juice in richmond there is a rita's ice aid station about mile nine and a half oh uh, where you get a cup of mango flavored rita's ice it's always mango and this year particularly it's been mango every year yeah okay at least the years I've been. But this year in particular, with the conditions being what they were, it was incredibly welcome. Um, sure, it was the best know, Rita's ice you've ever had. Yeah. Probably I, I, was. I, I, I wanted to be greedy and grab two cups, but I'm like, I'd probably better not. <laughs> um, I shouldn't you? I would. So right? would you say that the Encore support every year is like that? It's, it's always very good? Oh. The, the water stations are all, there's always a ton of water stations, probably more so than any other half I've done. I would say the longest stretch between stations is probably two miles, but it's typically more like a mile and a half. That's so great. Between good. most of them. Heck yeah. That's great. In fact, I think you hit the first one at mile one. Oh, and I, perhaps they take into account. There are people that are going to not carry hydration with them, mm-hmm. which is incredibly kind of them to consider those folks. I always carry mine, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to take advantage of that stop. Mm-hmm. One, it's there, but two, they're the most unique water stops because where else are you going to get handed your water or Powerade by an Amish child that they're just holding the cups out, water, 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 or Powerade, Powerade, Powerade. Okay. It, it's just, it, it's, it's also the only race I've run where I have no desire to put my headphones in. Uh-huh. And I run with okay. headphones all the time. Even when I'm running with somebody, I'll usually have one ear in just to have something there. But I, I have no need for them at this race. The scene, the scenery, the experience, just the community aspect. Everybody's talking on the course, the interaction with the kids. And then you there's you pass by this one church twice on the course, once at the very beginning and once towards the end. And they've usually got a small group of singers out front singing. It's just Everything about the race is unique, mm. including the camels at mile 11. Oh, I'm sorry. Just to make sure that everybody out there in the Runcation Nation heard that correctly. Did you say camels? I said camels. There are two camels at mile 11. The funny thing is I've run the race three times. The camels have been there all three years. This was the first year I actually saw them. Oh, really? Yeah. They're somewhere around mile 11, 11 and a half. And chances are... The first year I was running by myself, even though there were a few of us there together, we were all running our own race and I was probably just zoned out and didn't pay attention. And an errant dromedary didn't attract your attention. (laughs) I'm guessing Anthony, because this is the second time I ran it with Anthony, Anthony McCann, who uh, you guys, I don't know if you've met Anthony or not, but I know you know who he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were probably talking something about Orioles baseball or something and just didn't pay attention. But this year I told JD, I was like, do not let me miss the freaking camels. Exactly. Because um, I've never seen them. It's unique. Um, so I saw them this year. It's unique. Now, what's? can I just get a check on, before we head to the finish line, can I get sure. a check on the porta potty or the porta let? What do you, situation on this course? There are, if my memory serves me correctly, I think there were three, maybe four locations along the course where there were a couple of porta potties set up. Fair. Pre-race, there was plenty of porta potties, and even though it built up a decent line, that line moved very fast because they had enough porta potties to handle it. Okay, good. So it's, it's there. I think three or four stops along a half marathon—that's pretty good. Yes, pretty evenly spaced, I yeah. would say. Yes, so that's good to know. Good support. Yeah. Yeah. So 
we can expect rolling hills and errant dromedaries at mile 11. Rolling hills everywhere. Apparently. But only everywhere. the camels on mile 11. But <laughs> you, you better train the hills to be able to get to the camels. This is true. One of the other unique things is there, once you get closer to the end of the race, there are some sections where you actually run off the road and you're running on oh. farm roads, packed down dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll have to deal with ruts from farm equipment that's been through recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you've, if it's been raining, it can be a little bit dicey, um, this year, they had rain overnight, Friday night, um, but the sun came out so quickly that by the time we got to that section, mud wasn't an issue. The first year I ran it, it was a little slick through there because the rain hung around a little longer. Mm. So there is a little bit of off-road there. Like a trail um, run. So you could also get it. You could give credit for trail running. Sort yeah, of. I, I would say probably a total of about a mile of the course is actually off-road. That's not too bad, it, though. It, no. It, and it's all towards the end of the race, which it's after 10 or 11 miles of banging on pavement, the softer ground is actually welcome change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that so. would be a nice change of pace for a little bit right there towards the end. So you mentioned aim the yes. finish line. Oh, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the finish line experience and the finish line post race event? You alluded to it at the beginning, but mm-hmm. paint that picture for somebody. Um, You've, you're coming across sure. the finish line. You're getting your horseshoe medal. Let me, let me get you about 200 yards before there because you're coming back down the road you started on and right right when you get to about where the start line was, you will act, they'll turn you right into a field that's adjacent to where you've parked and where the tent for post-race is. And the chute itself is actually on grass, on field. You've got white picket fence down both sides um, heading to the arch. It's I've never seen that archway, that shoot not lined with people cheering people on, which is the again, that's the cool thing about this event is the support. You cross the finish line. One of the Amish folks from the community will hand you your medal. You'll grab a water or a banana or whatever going through the shoot. Mm-hmm. And post-race, there is an incredible Amish cookout waiting not only for participants, but anybody that's there can partake and it's free. Mm. That's fantastic. Um, oh. And it's smoked chicken, oh. um, sausages, ribs, uh, potato salad. Um, like a big old all cookout. kinds of desserts. Um, it's just, it's incredible. Oh, okay. This is good. Now, wasn't there something else unique to this race in terms of food What that I have heard about that comes with your packet or with your shirts? Or do I yeah. hear this When you right? pick up your packet on... Yeah, there there is something unique in your packet. There is a homemade whoopie pie, which if you don't know what a whoopie pie is, it's essentially two pieces of devil's food cake <sighs> with cream in between the thing about this one is one it's homemade two and if you're not watching this on video this this isn't really going to help but it's about that big around oh about that thick that Um, sounds glorious it's incredible it's like a manhole Um, cover (laughs) and it's just it's in your packet wrapped in saran wrap you unwrap it and it's so good not an on-course um, thing so you should that. carry with you, but you should enjoy it. Yeah, I don't think the whoopie pie would be the best on-course nutrition option, but right. that'd be something to have back at the hotel afterward, I think. That's right. That's right. Or, or the night before, because once you see it, it's really hard to not just eat it. <laughs> oh! Um, <laughs> I understand that self-control thing. Yeah. Yes. It could be um, a breakfast of champions. You know, another unique... True. Anyway. It could be. <laughs> yes. Another unique dessert that is available at the at the post race is what is called shoe fly pie. It's not my thing, full disclosure, but a lot of people really like it. It's a graham cracker crust, but the filling is very heavy molasses based, and it's a staple of the Amish country. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of people love it. It's just, it's not, not for me. But Have you had it before, Daniel? I have. And what can you say about this? He's right. It has a very, very rich, but molassesy flavor profile. So. It's like a really heavy body or is it like a moose kind no. of situation? Oh, no. Okay. No. Okay. But if you uh, like brown it, sugar, it's, it's heavy. <laughs> brown sugar, molasses flavors. If you, if you've got to lean into that. Okay. But. All right. Yeah. Whipped cream. Um, I don't know. Is whipped cream available? Uh, they, do they have it on? I didn't. I do not believe so. They do, however, have oh. soft serve ice cream. Oh, available. there you go. Then. Oh, so you could cut it that way. You could. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Perfect sweets and treats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have, when you think about this race, and you've talked about the post-race party and all of the delights for celebration as as like a picnic, a barbecue picnic, like a family environment, it seems very aligned with everything that you've talked about. Are there any stories along the course that you can remember that you... that, that left you walking away inspired, yes, I have to get back to burden hand and have more inspirational experiences like this or things that made you laugh or did you have anything like that at burden hand? I did. It's not necessarily my story to tell, but it's a friend of ours, Nate, who I know you guys have met. Another lovable extra miler. Nate has, I believe last year, Nate ran this race in under two hours and that was his goal last year. Uh, but this year he was thinking 210, 215. And like most of us, we realized quickly with the conditions that the times we had in our head probably weren't going to happen. But a couple miles into the race, he came across a runner that was struggling. Come to find out it was her first ever half marathon. Nate, and, and this is who Nate is. Um, Nate decided that he was going to make sure she got to the finish line. And he got her through the entire race and got to watch her across her first half marathon finish line. That's just, that's who he is, but that's the community vibe that this race gets. Around mile six or seven, a girl noticed that JD and I were doing run walk and she asked if she could tag along with us because she was, again, the conditions were getting everybody. Mm -hmm. And she hung with us for about three, three and a half miles. She, at one point, finally, she said, I'm good, but I'm going to fall back. You guys run your race. Thanks for, thanks for the miles. But it's that kind of, it's just that kind of vibe all the way around on the course, helping other people, people cheering the last runners in. So they get that same experience that that runners towards the front get when there's still a lot of people around. For sure. There's people there on the shoot bringing them home. And mm. it, it's a, it feels like a family event. There's no other way around it. And unlike any race I've ever done, mm. That's what makes Burden Hand so special. I love it. And, and I, the support runners give each other out on the courses absolutely, I think, is one of the, the best things about the community itself uh, as a whole. Yeah. And I'm really glad to hear that's a, a hallmark feature of, of the type of people that Burden Hand's attracting. Mm-hmm. Now, so let's say the you now that the running is done, it's time for you to go for that celebratory meal and see some of the town after the race. Can you give the Runcation Nation some recommendations uh, of where you might go for that celebratory meal and what you might get? The two places that that come to mind, one, there's a place called Plain and Fancy. It's Amish-style cooking, but it's family-style. So they'll sit 10, 15 people down around a table, bring out large dishes, and it's like a big family dinner. And you're having family dinner with sometimes people you don't know. But again, it just, it feeds into that whole community vibe that you get in this area. I love it. That particular restaurant has grown and they actually have multiple restaurants on their grounds. Now they have a barbecue place on their grounds. But to me, the, if you can get there on a day where they're doing it, the family style experience is just something that's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's just, it's cool to be able to interact with people that maybe for, you never know, they might be from across the country they might be from the same place you're from and you just didn't know. It's just, it's a really cool deal. The extra mile crew, and unfortunately, like I said, because I've always had to leave right after the race or right after the cookout, there is a place just outside of Lancaster that they use for their Saturday dinner called Loxley's that typically what they'll do for the extra mile group is they'll do like a fixed menu 
It's you can have a drink if you want to have a drink and just good, hearty, great post-race American style food to put some calories back in after you've burned a lot. Sure. And that's our, it's the run, eat. Yeah, absolutely. And one of these years, I'm actually going to be able to take that full weekend off and and explore a lot more because I really haven't been able to explore Lancaster since I was a kid. (laughs) Amy's checking out the menus. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I just, yeah. Oh, a birch beer float and a mini whoopie pie assortment at this place come on yeah (laughs) that's amazing i'm just saying i I think that we need to there's a reason the crew goes back there (laughs) so i'm excited i'm excited plain and fancy and loxley's we got this now are there places where you would recommend post-race celebratory beverages honestly that i'm that's not up my alley. I, and my wife and I, we don't drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've never really gone looking. I do know lox. Does, and um, it doesn't have to be alcoholic some. either. Yeah, We're fussed with our coffee. coffee. Yeah, there, there are a lot of local coffee shops in the area. I'm more of a, I'll rarely drink coffee after the morning is over. If I'm drinking it in the afternoon or evening, I'm tired. But um, so that there are a lot of local coffee shops. There's a lot of local sweet shops, bakeries, that kind of thing where you can really uh, indulge your sweet tooth as well. Nice. Um, I'm loving this whoopie pie assortment thing from the menu. That sounds amazing. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I will just throw out there that Colin and Annie have Sunday's bloodies. Yes. And you, and it's tied to this location. Here. And you may be able to find their product <clears throat> used in a variety of watering holes in the area. Uh, yes. So just uh, that's an option if you're looking for that type of beverage. But I'm glad to know there are plenty of coffee shops and options for people who are not looking for an alcoholic beverage as well. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, Absolutely. where are you planning on accomplishing, exploring, and indulging next? What's up on, coming up on your calendar? The only race on my calendar, and it wasn't on my calendar until this past weekend, I'll be running the Wicked 10K here in Virginia Beach on the 28th. It's a local race that I have wanted to run since we moved here and just haven't found the time to do it. And this year seemed like as good as any. So uh, I'll be running that next weekend. Costumes or no? There will be plenty of costumes. That will probably not be me. Um (laughs) The, the closest to a costume I will get is I do have um, a Batman running shirt and a Superman running shirt. So one of those may make an appearance for this one. Very nice. Um, yes. Assuming we, I can still fit into them. We're uh, fans I of tried to put them on in a while. Simple costume suggestions. We're fans of this. things that yeah imply the costume right. without impeding your movement. Exactly. 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 So I, I've seen some of the things people wear at this race and I'm just like, how do you deal with that for six miles? I, that's um, the way I feel when we go to a Disney race. I'm like, I don't know how y'all do it, especially in the Florida weather uh, between the heat and or the yeah. rain. Oh, no way if, for if, some of these costumes I see like just from head to toe. I mean, it covers your and then it, it's like a fleece or like just cotton. And how do you know? Nope. Just no. Yeah. So <laughs> it's yes, we've talked about what's next for you. But if anybody in the Runcation Nation wanted to reach out and connect, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram at chrisdar79, same handle on Twitter, X now, and Facebook, just Chris Darling. Um, and if you're already in the Extra Mile group or the Runcation Nation group, I'm already in there. There you go. So you can find me there. Great places to find him, nice and easy. Chris, we want to thank you for talking with us this week on the show and for being such a great supporter and friend, yes. friend of the show and friend to us. And we love having you in the Runcation Nation. Yeah, we got to get yeah. you guys back to Virginia Beach. We do. We I love know. Virginia Beach. We loved it. We and, love uh, the Shamrock Marathon weekend, and uh, we've got to get back up there for a race. And I love the fact that it's all flat and paved. Yes. It's great. I love that. And <laughs> right by the beach. <laughs> coastal. Beautiful. Coastal living. We love it. Yep. But we're yeah, looking... We so forward to getting together again and doing that and accomplishing, exploring, and indulging with you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having another great year thanks to your support. 
Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Run Eat Drink Podcast. And on Twitter, we're Run Eat Drink Pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or send us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Find out how you can support the show at patreon.com slash runeatdrinkpodcast. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.